0: Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for being with us. As we mentioned, as Pastor Bill mentioned on Good Friday, when he said, He is risen, he asked that we would respond back. He is risen indeed. Let me try it. It seemed like fun Friday night. He is risen. He is risen indeed. indeed. Well, I'm so glad you're with us today. We are here to celebrate a risen Savior. This is uh, to us the day of days for us who believe in Jesus Christ. This is our most wonderful day. This is the day that we all kind of look forward to with, with tremendous anticipation. And, and so we thank you for coming our way. We thank you for your taking of the time and, and come to worship and glorify with us Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. There's only going to be two places in Scripture today that I'm going to turn you to. And, and, and one I want to read you out of 1 Corinthians. It's the 15th chapter, verses 12 through 19. You, you can turn there if you wish in your Bibles. If you do not have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the seat in front of you. But if you are visiting with us and you filled out the card, and you've uh, allow us to know who you are and give us your information. If you go out and give that uh, to the person outside, you have one of three gifts. There's a nice book that you can read. There's also a Bible that we want to give you and a, a CD, a testimony. You are welcome to that. And so I, I would pray that you would use that if you would and allow us to know who you are so that we might just have that privilege of knowing you. Well, for most of us as Christians, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15 and also in Luke chapters 22, 23, and 24. Please forgive me. For most of us as Christians, this is one of the most important days of our lives. And I want to share with you, as I do every Easter, why this is such an important day to us. Simply put, if Jesus Christ did not raise himself from the dead, then you and I, we're wasting our time. We have no reason really to celebrate. There's really no reason to meet like this. You see, if Jesus Christ is still in the grave, then we are to be pitied. Actually, it, it says even worse, we are without hope. I want to read to you, Paul says as much out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen to these words of Paul as he reasons with the people who had argued that there was no resurrection from the dead. Paul says in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how, he says, do some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And so Paul now reasons with his listeners. He says, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Then he says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. In other words, what we are preaching to you is absolutely useless. It's it's worthless. And he says, your faith also is vain. In other words, your faith is worthless. Moreover, he says, we are found to be false witnesses of God. In other words, liars, misleading you. Because we testify against God that he raised Christ from the dead, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead were not raised. And so he says in verse 16, if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And now watch. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. And Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, in other words, those who have died, they've perished. There's no hope for them. And then he writes, If we have hoped in Christ, in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. In other words, if, if our faith is just this religion that tries to carry us through this day, then then we are to be pitied. No, our our faith goes beyond this life. Our our faith goes into that everlasting life. Our, Our faith hinges upon the fact that Jesus Christ died upon the cross as Bill so wonderfully preached Friday night. But three days later, as we celebrate this Easter day, He has risen. He has risen indeed. And therein lies our faith. Therein lies all that we are as believers in Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible is crystal clear. It's, It's crystal clear about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ along with other believers. It is crystal clear about eternal life, and it is crystal clear about true salvation. Now what I'd like to do with you today, if you don't mind, for the remaining minutes that we have, is to is to try to demonstrate that to you. And normally what I do on Easter is, is kind of center the whole thought upon Jesus Christ and who is our Lord and Savior. I want to do that this morning, but I also want to take you to the the foot of the cross. I want you to to take a look with me at the people who are involved with that incident. There are four. There are soldiers. There are just people in general. There are rulers. And then alongside of Jesus Christ, on either side are two criminals. Four groups of people in and which I believe all of us, to one degree or another, fall into one of these groups of people, as you'll see as we go through this. This is an amazing story here at the foot of the cross. I, I, I'm very happy and excited to share this with you this morning. So, if you are in Luke chapter 23, would you read with me through the rest of this chapter and part of chapter 24? the cross, and the resurrection. By the way, I entitled this message so close, yet so far away. I think you'll see what I mean by that in a moment. Verse 33 of chapter 23. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified Jesus. And the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left, But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now come the cast of characters. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. The people stood by, looking on. Even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one the soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was an inscription above him saying, This is the king of the Jews. Now we go to the cross. One of the criminals who was hanging there was hurling abuse at Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other, the other criminal answered, rebuked him and said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And in verse 43, Jesus said to that criminal, Truly I say to you today... You shall be with me in paradise. Verse 44 tells us it was about the sixth hour and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. That was about noon till three o'clock in the afternoon. The sun being obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. All the multitudes who came together for this spectacle, for this spectacle. When they observed what had happened, they began to return, beating their breasts. All his acquaintances and the women who accompanied him from Galilee were standing at a distance, seeing these things. Verse 50. There's a man called Joseph. He was a member of the council. That was the Sanhedrin. He was a good and righteous man. He had not consented to their plan of action. In other words, he didn't didn't agree to this plan of, of crucifying Jesus. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, and they were waiting for the kingdom of God. This man, Joseph, went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in a linen cloth and laid Jesus in a tomb cut into the rock where no one had ever laid. It was the preparation day. The Sabbath was about to begin. So the women who had come out with Jesus out of Galilee followed after him and saw the tomb and how the body was laid. They returned and prepared spices and perfumes. And on the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. Chapter 24 takes us into this, what we call Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Read with me, verse 1. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing spices which they had prepared. They found that the stone was rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ It happened while they were perplexed about this. Behold, two men, really two angels, suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel. The women were terrified. They bowed their faces to the ground. And the the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one from among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. goes on to tell them, Remember how he told you so. Remember how he told you back in Galilee that he was going to be suffering under sinful men, be crucified, and three days later raise himself from the dead. And so within we celebrate this time of the year. We celebrate the risen Savior. And to us who believe in him, it means everything to us. It is the very essence of what we place our faith upon. It is why we trust and believe in Him so wholeheartedly. It is is the very essence of all that we are and all that we believe. This one called Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, is He who He says He is? Pray with me, please. And in so doing, afterwards, I'd like to take a look at those people around the cross. And I want you to... Try to figure out where do you fit in with this group of people. Father, please, do us the greatest privilege that anyone could ever ask. And I do that, Father. I ask in the name of my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ, I ask that you would open up our eyes and our hearts, our minds, that we might behold wonderful things from your law. I ask, Father, that you would move me aside so that I might not hinder anything that you want to say to any single one of us, myself included. If we need to be convicted, please, Father. If we need to be comforted, please, Father. Whatever it is, Father, would you touch our lives and our hearts and allow us to hear that wonderful, soft, quiet voice within our innermost being. So, Lord, please bless this time that we have together as we celebrate your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is risen from the dead never to die again and to give all who believe and trust in him everlasting life. What a privilege, Father. We thank you for your Son. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Okay, you can turn back to the 23rd chapter. Just going to look at some of the verses and kind of go over them with you. Verse 34 in in chapter 23, where the first thing we hear our Lord say is, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Now, I believe that was to the people that were there around him, those that have placed upon the cross, but I believe it was for people in general. All of us. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then we come upon the cast of characters the soldiers, the people, the rulers, and the criminals. And in that group, I believe uh, every single one of us, to one degree or another, read with me again. Let's take a look at them. After Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now, note it says, Then they, they are the soldiers. The soldiers were casting lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. What they were doing was gambling. They were at the foot of the cross, gambling for his sandals, gambling for his robe, gambling for whatever it is that he had that they thought that they could take from him. They were, in essence, playing games at the foot of the cross. In verse 35, we see there are people. The people there are just standing by, looking on. To me, it seems as though they were indifferent. It was just a a people in general just watching, as we read later in this, this place in Scripture, this spectacle, this event. They were watching. Because Jesus Christ had done the miraculous, one miracle after another, after another. And they wanted to see what was going to take place. And so they were just watching, just looking on. Indifferent to what is taking place. After we see the people, then we see the rulers. In verse 35 it says the rulers were sneering at him. And and what were they saying? They were saying, you saved others. Let us save yourself. If 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 you are the Christ of God, if you are the chosen one, sounds as though they were the doubters, doubting his claims of deity, wanting more proof, wanting to see something else happen so that they might believe. And I think that was when I said, like moving that. Wouldn't that have been too much? No, they always want more proof. There's always some within the church body that comes every once in a while to church that wants more proof so that they can believe. And I say to you folks, you have all the proof that you need. Wanting also more proof were the soldiers who also, besides sneering him, mocked him. They came up, offered him, it says in verse 36, some sour wine. And then they say in verse 37, much like those of the rulers say, they said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Again, wanting more proof. Now we move after we see the inscription saying, This is the king of the Jews to the crosses, the three of them there on this hill of Golgotha. One of the criminals, it says in verse 39, who was hanging there was hurling abuse at Jesus Christ. In other words, he had anger, deep-rooted anger, saying, are you not the Christ? Then save yourself and us. No mention of his soul. Just save my earthly life. Save yourself and us. But the other, the other criminal answered and rebuked the first criminal, saying, Do you not even fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, we are all three of us here going to die. Now listen closely to what he says, this other criminal. He says in verse 41, We indeed, we are suffering justly, for we are receiving What we deserve for our deeds. But this man, this man has done nothing wrong. And then he says in verse 42 the most amazing words. He then said, Remember me, remember me when you come into your kingdom. But even more amazing, even more startling than all of that is the next verse, verse 43, where Jesus Christ says to him, Today, you will be with me in paradise. Can you imagine? Today, he says to this criminal, you will be with me in paradise. In this short moment of time, we see soldiers, people, rulers, criminals, each having something to say, each having something to do with Jesus Christ, so close to him and yet for most so far away from gambling, playing games, to simply looking on with indifference, to sneering and and mocking, doubting his claims of deity, wanting more proof. "...to hurling abuse at Him, out and out anger. While only one man, a criminal, stood with Jesus Christ and believed in Him, and incredibly confessed His wrongdoings." Why do I mention this? Well, with each of them standing right there before the cross, they are so close to our Lord... And yet for some of them so far away, how do you fit? This always makes me think when I, I get to this place in my study, I, I always think about us because I, I love you so much. Most, most of you come here often and, and I get to know you and I love you with all of my heart and some of you are visiting and I, I want to tell you, I don't know you, but I love you. I love you for many reasons and if you keep coming back, I'll, probably, I'll share with you why. But I do. I love you for being here. I love you with all my heart. And whenever I get to this place in Scripture, I I kind of think about things. I I think about us. What what about us? How how do we see? What do we do when we come to see the Savior in the cross? When we come to church? What is our attitude? When we come and worship Him Sunday Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday makes me think about those of us who come to church. That is at least whenever we can. I mean, we've heard all the excuses. You don't have to be a pastor to have heard the excuses. You know, you hear them say, you know how busy we are. With all the activities that we're involved with, it's, it's hard for us to come to church all the time. And So we come whenever we can. We stand at the foot of the cross and we worship Him as as often as we can. And for so many people across this great land of ours, churches and its activities of the church become to them a time like the soldiers or the people. A time of gambling, playing games with your soul, with your eternal life. A time of just standing by and looking on. A time of indifference. For some, it's a time of mocking and sneering. It's doubting the things of Christ, doubting this thing called faith, wanting more evidence so that you could believe. And for others, it's just flat-out hurling abuses, angry, angry at the Lord something has happened in your life and you are so mad at him you don't want anything to do with them or or maybe someone that that goes to church and you know them and they have offended you and and you say to yourself if they go to church I don't want anything to do with it you just are angry let me share with you about those of us that go to church There's not a one of us here that is perfect. Not a one. There's not a one of us that is without sin. Not a one. We all have the same thing in common. Every single one of us here today. And that is we are all sinners. And some of us are saved by the grace of God. And He is calling for you to come to Him. If you don't know Him. And so if you're hurling abuse at somebody who comes to church because you're angry at them, listen, come and join us. We're all in the same boat. We're all a bunch of creeps. (laughs) We are. You know, I can relate. (laughs) I heard an amen. I can relate to the criminal much more than I can the righteous. You see, I came to know the Lord later in life, and, and I get the criminal. I get him. And why I love him so is because he looked at the Lord in one moment in time, and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the Lord looked at him and said, today, today you're going to be with me in paradise. I relate to that young man, or that older man, or whoever he was. Each activity that is done by every single soul who eventually comes to the foot of the cross and considers who is this one called Jesus, where do you fit in, For a few of us, we are like this one solitary criminal who makes a serious confession of his faith and of his sin and becomes a true believer in Jesus Christ. Which are you? The question is, this Easter morning, is is what are we like when we come to church? That is, to those of us who like to call ourselves Christians, who come to church when we can and as often as we can. You know, it's a good thing I said in the first service that I'm not God. You know, I think that the Lord might have a beef with some of us. Now, maybe he doesn't, but if not him, then I do. I know. I do. I desire for people to come to church. I desire for your heart to be committed to the Lord. I desire for us to walk with Him on a a daily basis with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our minds. And I desire that because I believe and I know that He does as well. May I be foolish this morning with you and ask you a question. Are you playing games? Are you gambling with your faith? Are you gambling with your soul? Are you gambling with your eternal life? I hear some say, I don't think I'll go to church today. You know, I'll catch church next week. He's dragging on on those messages. Oh, that sounded, that that got a little close to home, didn't it? I've heard some say, I'll, I'd love to come, but boy, there's a really a great game on television today, and I, I just don't want to miss it. Oh, or someone gave me four tickets to the stadium, and you know it's Sunday, and it's the same time as church, and I'll come to church next week. Or there's a great sale. I don't want to miss the sale, and I've got to get there early. The sun's out. It's a great day. Let's go to the beach. Picnic. Or I worked hard all week. Doggone it, I deserve a rest. God won't mind. He understands. Does He? I mean, really, does He? Should not this be our priority in life? Should this not be the place that we ought to long to be above and beyond anything and everything else that we do to gather together as a group of people who love the Lord and love one another? I say yes, it should be. If you'll note in this scenario, the Lord Jesus Christ does not respond to anyone except except the criminal. The one who confessed his sin, the one who asks Jesus Christ in verse 42 to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. To which Jesus responds to him and him alone. He doesn't respond to the other thief who hurled abuse at him. He doesn't respond to the rest who watch with indifference and with doubts, wanting more proof. No, Jesus simply said to the repentant thief alone, Today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Imagine Imagine, if you can, that very day, this repentant thief who was not considered fit to live on earth, that is according to the Roman law. They saw him not fit to live on earth. Interestingly, Jesus Christ found this repentant thief fit enough to live with him in paradise. Why? The only conclusion that you and I can come to is because this one repentant thief placed his faith in the Son of God. While he was there hanging on the cross, he had no one else to turn to. He had nowhere else to go. He was kind of hung up for the moment. He decided to trust in Jesus Christ. And at that moment in time, he became a saved thief, a saved criminal, a saved human being. And I ask you, does this seem absurd to you? A criminal upon the cross, nowhere to go, nowhere else to turn, and our savior granting him in a moment in time eternal life? Think about it. These two thieves had been arrested, they had been tried, they have been condemned, and they are dying on a cross for the worst of crimes. And Jesus Christ saves one. What was the difference between the two of them? I say to you, little, if anything, both were thieves. The only difference lies in the fact that one decided to believe while the other chose not to believe. By the way, if you were there, what would you have said to that repented thief who asks the Lord, remember me when you go into your kingdom? Would you ask him, what church do you belong to? What, what denomination are you? Would you ask him, how many acts of mercy have you performed in your lifetime? What deeds of kindness have you done? Oh, here's the best one. How much money have you given a church? What difference is it? None to our Lord. It was faith that saved that thief. Safe faith, and faith alone. You might ask, what must you do to earn this salvation? What must you do to make your soul right with God? You know, of course, he was not coming down from that cross, not until he died. And yet Jesus said to that thief, today, did I hear our Savior correctly? Today, you will be with me in paradise? Think about it. Think about it. This repented thief went into the presence of God for one reason, and one reason only. And it was purely his faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Well, in verses 44 to 46, Jesus then breathed his last. And then in verses 50 to 56, a wealthy, educated man named Joseph, who was a a member of the Sanhedrin, He went to Pilate, asked for the body of Jesus Christ to bury him in a tomb cut out of rock that no one had laid in before. And then we come to chapter 24, the coup de grace for Easter. Some of the women came to anoint Jesus Christ. And let's look again at what took place on the first day of the week, early at dawn. The women came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared, but they found that the stone was rolled away from the tomb. And and when they entered into the tomb, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is he? Of course, he is risen. And while they were perplexed about what took place in verse 4, two angels in dazzling clothes stood before them. The women, it says in verse 5, were terrified. Wouldn't you be? They bowed their faces to the ground, and the angels said to them, Why? Why are you here seeking the living one among the dead? He's not here. He is what? He's risen. Don't you remember, they said, that he told you so in Galilee? Don't you remember that he said he was going to suffer and die and be buried and three days later raise himself from the dead? Don't you remember? It's a great story. It's absolutely amazing. And therein lies all of what we believe as Christians, that He has risen. We've hanged everything we are, all that we hoped upon, upon that one wonderful fact that Jesus Christ raised Himself from the dead. It is why we gather together each week, especially, especially on Easter morning. And therein lies why I humbly and very respectfully ask you, are you playing games with God? Are you gambling with your faith? Are you gambling with your soul? Are you gambling with your eternity? Or are you just standing by, come when you can, indifferent to the things of God? Or are you sneering, mocking, doubting Him and wanting more proof? If, this is where it was. If if I could get this thing to move from here to there, well please don't. If I could get this thing to move from here to there, would you then believe? Why? Why because of that Jesus Christ already proved to, to you beyond a shadow of a doubt who he is by raising himself from the dead Easter. Easter, Easter Sunday, he is risen. He's risen, folks. That's all the proof you'll need. When I was at a funeral just this week, just a week or two ago now, one of my dearest friends in baseball passed away, and they asked me to come and do the funeral, and so you were kind enough to let me go, and I flew to Texas. You know how much I love him. if I fly to Texas. I don't like to travel at all. While I was there, one of his friends came to me and said, Would you do me a favor? Uh, And I said, what is that? He said, "Uh, would you ask Mel to give me a sign that he's okay? He asked the wrong person. It wasn't Bill they asked to go. Pastor Bill would have been so kind to him. I said, he's already given you a sign. That sign was 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ raised himself from the dead. That's the only sign you'll need that Mel is in good hands. He didn't like that answer so good, and that's why I'm not in counseling and care. (laughs) I've always believed that you people need to know that two and two are four. Not three and a half, not four and a quarter. Two and two are four. We need to hear the truth so that we can deal with the truth. And the truth is that Jesus Christ raised himself from the dead. The truth is that is why we celebrate Easter. The truth is that is why I respectfully ask you, are you playing games with God? This is not dress rehearsal. This is real. And for those of us who know the Lord, are we indifferent to the things of God? Do we come when we can, casually come to church, instead of making this the central point of our lives? I mean not Easter, I mean every Sunday. Or are you sneering, mocking, doubting, wanting more proof? Or God forbid, are you just flat angry? Angry at God for something He has done in your life? Or angry at someone who has hurt you and they say they're a Christian, so if that's Christianity, I don't want anything to do with it. We want you to have peace. Peace with God and peace with your friends and even peace with your enemies if possible. And so we gather together and we tell tell you that we love you. And that's the truth. And we ask you humbly to consider your walk with Jesus Christ. Today is April the 8th. The year is 2012. I beg of you, come to your senses this Easter day. And from this day forward, I beg of you, get serious with your faith. Get serious with your risen Savior. On behalf of this church and the people who are part of it, for those of you who are visiting, we are honored that you're here. Thank you so much for coming. For those of you who are here all the time, I hope you know by now that I love you more than life itself. And I thank you for the privilege of being a part of this church with you. In a moment, I'm going to have prayer. After prayer, there are going to be some of the pastors who are going to be up here and, and elders and, and deacons who will, would like to talk with you. If you have any questions, you might want to ask them. Anything that you might want, have them pray with you about. Anything of the kind. They'll be up here waiting for you to come on up. If you want to come and take a closer look at, of the sculpture that's so beautifully made and, and maybe even take a picture with it, please do so. And after that, if, if you would, go across the way here and have, have something to eat. There's so much food. We, uh, we want to try to serve you as best we know how. So I'm going to close in prayer. And then you can come up if you so desire. The pastors will be up here. Father in heaven above, we thank you from the bottom of our heart for Easter Sunday. As Pastor Bill so beautifully preached about Good Friday as you went to the cross and died for the sin of this world, you also raised yourself from the dead. And with that, Father, you gave a promise to those of us who trust and believe in you that we too will have everlasting life. We too We'll live with you forever, just like that repentant thief. Father, I pray for everyone here. Remember us, Father, when you come into your kingdom. But, Father, I can't pray that for another person. I can only pray that for myself. As much as I love my wife or my daughter or my sons, my grandsons, my granddaughter, I can't pray for them either. The only person I can pray for is myself. And so I pray that everyone here senses that for themselves, that they must make themselves right with you. And so, Father, I pray that we would all pray, remember us when you come into your kingdom and that we might hear those precious words soon. Soon you will be with me in paradise. We look forward, I do at least, Father, I look forward to that day. Now bless us, Father. Thank you for this Easter in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love you all more than life itself. God bless you and have a great great day. Thanks for being here.